You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader and brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned subsidiary of 12th Man Solutions Limited. Welcome to episode 19 of the Exhibitionist Podcast. I'm your host, Nicola Reader, and thank you so much for joining us. Shortly on today's show, we'll be handing over to Kate Simpson, who is the Marketing Director at the Business Design Centre in London. And the Business Design Centre recently won the sustainability category at the Exhibition News Awards. So we'll be speaking to Kate about all the things that the venue does in terms of CSR policy and sustainability. Before we get to that, however, I wanted to share something with you that I'd picked up in the last week or so as I was lounging by a pool in some beautiful sunshine in Portugal. We had taken a week out just to go over and get some R&R, reflect on the last six months of the year or the first six months of the year, should I say, and think about where we go from here for the rest of the year. And there were two books that I read that seemingly would be very different, but actually both made a point that I thought was really relevant to business in general, but actually to exhibitions. And it's the starting point for many of our clients who come to us asking for our help. And that's really nailing your proposition early on, understanding what your product or service is all about and why a visitor would even be interested in the first place. So the first book I read, which I'm sure many of you will have enjoyed, was Daniel Priestley's Key Person of Influence. And if you don't know, Daniel Priestley is a multi-million selling author of a number of books uh, about how to get ahead in business generally. And in Key Person of Influence, he talks about a five-stage process for being at the real heart of your industry, known as the expert, and really creating that niche where people coming, come to you looking for solutions. And the very first stage of that process is the pitch process. And one of the phrases he uses there is that people don't buy anything unless it solves a problem. And he goes on to quantify that to say, it might not always seem that way. And it might not seem that they even know what their problem is to begin with, but they will only ever buy when your product or service is solving a problem or is meeting some unmet desire or need that they have. And that's really relevant for exhibitions in terms of thinking about you might want to launch a new product or a new service that you think is brilliant, but just broadcasting that to your audience probably isn't going to be enough to get them to visit your stand or then to go on and build a relationship that they actually want to convert into a transaction with you. So it's really about thinking, what problem do we solve? What solution are we making a business better or faster or more efficient or better quality? What's the real thing that you're solving for somebody out there in the market? The other book I read will seem very different indeed, and it's a book called Another Fine Mess by an author called Tim Moore. And Tim decided to drive 6,000 miles coast to coast across America in the real heart of Trumpland in a almost 100-year-old original Model T Ford. And he really wanted to understand why and how people were voting for Trump in that real heartland and and what had happened to America. And he talks a lot in the book about Henry T. Ford, who I am sure, if you'll know any of the background of the Ford Motor Corporation, um, started off well, had some issues, and perhaps Henry T. Ford had some less desirable qualities. But actually in the early days was a huge success and sold millions and millions of cars to Americans. The talk in the book about the strategy that Ford set up in terms of selling a dream, selling an idea, a vision that people didn't even know existed. And that wasn't selling people a car. 
but it was about selling them the opportunity to go and visit their neighbours who might be a long way away and they'd never met, get out further than church on a Sunday or certainly get back from church quicker on a Sunday, go out to social encounters and gatherings that were starting to happen. Life was pretty difficult for people living on farms in the sticks of America. It was hard work on the on the land, they were long days and they didn't really get to see anybody. But that was life and people kind of expected it. So actually when the Model T Ford came along and gave people these opportunities and this vision and this excitement, it soon caught fire really quickly as a way that life could be better, even though they hadn't necessarily had the vision themselves to think that there was any alternative. And quite often you'll hear Henry Ford quoted as saying, um, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they'd have said faster horses. There isn't actually any evidence that he ever said that, but it's the dream about actually giving people a better choice, a better option in the future that they don't even know necessarily exists. It's quite similar for ourselves when we're talking to clients about exhibitor training and often people don't think they need it. And then when you talk to them about how they could get a better return, how they could enjoy trade shows more, how it could be a less stressful experience, how actually their team could work much more closely together and bond and be a stronger team coming out of a show because of the training they've had to go into it, it all kind of clicks into, spe- into place and makes sense and they see this vision of things that necessarily hadn't been that clear before. So two very different books, one very much business-based, one just an interesting insight on America Old and New. Actually written centuries or talking about eras in time that are centuries apart, but actually with really relevant messages about finding the solution, nailing your proposition, understanding how you make a client or a visitor or a customer's life better, and being able to really, really clearly articulate that in everything that you do relating to your show. And at Pro Extra, we think that's absolutely crucial in terms of the, being the very first stepping stone to having a brilliant exhibition. If you're not really clear from the very first point of planning an exhibition, why you're going to it, who you want to talk to, what problem they might have, and what solution your product or service delivers for them, we'd really ask you to question why you were going to show in the first place. What do you realistically expect to get back if you're not really sure who you're talking to or what it is that you're talking about? So Daniel Priestley, Key Person of Influence, and Another Fine Mess by Tim Moore, two great books that I can recommend, although this is not a book show podcast, but if you enjoy either of those, do let me know and let me know what you think. We have reached out to Daniel Priestley and asked him if he would like to come on the show at some point and talk to us about whether businesses can be at the heart of their industry and how they become a key business of influence. So I'll let you know if he comes back to us on that. So moving on to our conversation for today, and we were delighted a couple of weeks ago to speak to Kate Simpson, who is the Managing Director for the Business Design Centre in Islington. So we'll hand over to that conversation now and hope you enjoy it. So on this week's episode of The Exhibitionist, the podcast, we are delighted to be speaking to Kate Simpson. And Kate is Marketing Director at the Business Design Centre in London. So Kate, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for joining us. I know you've been off on your travels, so um, thank you for making the time for us uh, today. I know it's your pretty much your first day back in the office. But um, before we get into our conversation, Kate, do you want to just give us a bit of background on your experience and your current role? Yeah, of course. So um, this is my 12th year with the Business Design Centre. Um, I've had various roles throughout my time here and started in event management and then worked into venue sales, so selling the venue people who wanted to organize events um, and slowly worked into marketing which is um, where my current role is really Um, but we're quite a small company so 
Um, it means you get to get involved with lots of other areas. So I've sat on various steering groups from things alongside sustainability um, and kind of uh, customer experience. So you get to have a, a varied experience working here. Brilliant, brilliant. So the Business Design Centre in London, people might not know that much about it. So tell me a little bit more about the venue and the sorts of events that you host for your clients. Sure. So um, we are based in Islington, which is um, just at the road from King's Cross in London. Um, we host the majority of trade shows. So around 70% of our events are trade, um, around 20% are consumer and then various other events in between. Um, we are a multi-purpose venue, so we've got 100 businesses that actually um, operate out of the venue on a day-to-day basis um, in office spaces around the exhibition. Um, and so a lot of our events kind of do complement the um, offices and showrooms that live here permanently. Um, within the events, are kind of predominantly around a quarter of them are in the tech sector. We're kind of located quite close to the city. Um, but we also have a lot of events that are in the careers sector, fashion design, um, around a quarter of those kind of fall into that category as well. Wow, really, really broad portfolio of, um, of events. And I hadn't necessarily realised you had that many businesses that were, were in-house. So that's fantastic, a real little hive of activity down in Islington. Um, so what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that the industry faces in, in sustainability? One of the reasons we wanted to invite you onto the show today was um, really about the Business Design Centre's focus on, on CSR and sustainability. So what do you think as a, an industry to kick off are some of the biggest challenges that we face? Well, I think um, the kind of the positive side of the um, industry in that face-to-face is always going to be what we do. And people are always going to want face-to-face interaction whether it's in a personal capacity or in a business capacity. And I think um, the important thing from our industry is that a good business happens when we all get together, um, whether it's kind of networking events, award ceremonies, exhibitions, conferences. Um, I think the, the, the human nature of um, meeting people is what we, what we crave as people and businesses. So that's always going to be something that we're going to want to do in life. And a byproduct of the successful side of that is going to be that, you know, you have to travel, that you are going to consume, that there will in some way be waste of some kind or energy consumption. And so it's about how we address the balance between the success of all of that with the way that we can change our um, behaviours and beliefs and, you know, educate people in order to do what we want to do and have our events and hold our exhibitions, but be able to do it in a way that it has a minimal impact on the environment that we are living in, whether that's the community or whether that's, um, you know, the actual nature. Um, and I think that that's the, that's the challenge that people are facing, you know, the, you want to have a successful event. The fact that it's a, the biggest version of itself is, um, is great. But obviously with that comes the kind of opposite, um, opposite balance, if you like. So it, the challenge is to how, to how to be successful whilst also minimising that impact. Yeah, it's, it's a huge struggle, I think, in, 
as you say, the very nature of this industry is people want to get together and internationally people want to get together. And Mm. that just means that you have to travel um, and we kind of can't escape that really. So, but I know yourselves at the BDC um, really have kind of CSR and sustainability at your core and congratulations, you recently won that category award at the Exhibition News Award. So, so congratulations. But Thank you. I'm kind of really interest, interested in understanding where, where does that having um, CSR as, as a value to you as a venue, where does that come from? How important is it to you as a venue? Um, so we're a family-run venue. Um, it's operated uh, by five brothers who um, are still the kind of people that operate the, the venue as shareholders, but on a day-to-day basis. And the, the kind of family ethos is something that's been passed down into the management style and the um, the kind of day-to-day behaviours of the team. Um, so we've got, as I mentioned, a very small team um, and a lot of their own ethics and morals um, are things that generally run the business on a day-to-day basis. So people's passion for, you know, obviously CSR doesn't just apply to the sustainability side, it applies to charities and working in the community and the way that we treat our staff and our customers. And I think it's that, um, that core value and the way that it's integrated into the team as a whole um, is, is just the the way that we end up doing so much um so we have charities that we support within the venue one of them is the morris charitable trust which the business kind of funds on an annual basis quite heavily and that does a lot of work in the local community but we've also got a couple of other charities so london village network which is based in the local area and it allows people to volunteer an hour of their time to support um professional skills with the kind of youth network We've also got Islington Giving, um, which is um, run by a local group, but they actually support kind of over, over 48 other charities within the local community. So we've, we've done various um, charitable days with them where you can go to a, a community centre and, and help regenerate their garden or, you know, we donate furniture to them from exhibitions when they didn't need that afterwards. So... I mean, it's so varied, um, but the fact that staff are given kind of the remit to do that within their day-to-day activities means that it's just part of our day-to-day business. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. I think, um, obviously, as a venue, I would imagine that you're bringing um, revenue into the local economy as well by visitors coming and spending money in local shops and cafes and restaurants and that kind of thing. But obviously, you're bringing people in which is more traffic more congestion more you know all of those sorts of things so great to hear that actually it's about putting it back into your community and and seeing how yet you can bring that revenue in but you also understand you've got that impact you're making that potentially negative impact as well by extra traffic extra travel but but you're trying to give something something back so you know that that feels like that's really important to you and and to the management team of that business yeah definitely and there's kind of so uh, several of our management teams sit on other boards for charities in the local community in order to try and use our business to help their business or their kind of um, charity. Um, and I think being able to give back and support them 
you know, like you say, we do bring a lot of people to the area and um, the, the upper street area where we actually are is full of bars and restaurants and I feel like a lot of um, the event traffic that we get, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street, they enjoy having us and we really benefit from having them here. But for those in um, need of the support, it's been great to, personally for me, I've been involved in several different um, charitable organisations in the area. And it's just really great to get the satisfaction from, you know, not just doing your business at the BBC, but being able to welcome these organisations in to make the most of what we do as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea that you mentioned of um, used exhibition furniture that might otherwise just have gone to landfill or been destroyed, actually going to charity to help them. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, we've actually got um, a, a charitable garden around the back as well, so... And they'll take kind of use Christmas trees to use for uh, burning, burning their fuel in their garden, and um, yeah, being able to being able to try and facilitate ways that things aren't being thrown away. So excess carpeting, um, and that's I'm sure something we'll talk about, talk about. Um, you know, finding ways for exhibition waste and exhibition materials to be diverted from landfill and diverted from being, um, you know, incinerated by finding creative ways for them to be used. So really interested to hear about some of the charitable work you've been doing. And um, we know some of the initiatives that you're undertaking in in that area of CSR. But also you're very conscious about being more um, sustainable and reducing the perhaps negative impacts of the exhibition industry on the local environment. So tell me a little bit more about some of the initiatives you've been involved in, in terms of becoming more environmentally sustainable. Sure. So um, we've been a carbon neutral venue for over 10 years now. Um, And in the initial stages back then, we took the commitment to reduce as much energy as we possibly could um, and change all of our lighting and energy to um, low wattage and um, eco floods, for example. And that's something that's been rolled out to our exhibitions as well. So um, even even the lighting on high-end shows where it needs to, you know, illuminate art and design is now low um, low energy lighting as well. Um, we also obviously took the commitment to 0% to landfill, um, which meant we had to work with the local council to um, ensure that everything was either being recycled or sent to a place where it could be... Um, incinerated uh, responsibly this is also something we're looking to reduce at the moment um, but back then we had a sustainability team which has been um, reinvigorated recently they've been meeting with the council to learn about the ways in which they recycle and the ways in which we can educate people within the venue um, and visitors for example to recycle so we found recently maybe that um, some of the bins that we had out weren't having the right effect so we rebranded those and have much clearer signage within the venue um, we're working with all of our suppliers so the good eating company um, have been working really closely with us to remove plastic from their catering so any um, single-use plastics and removables that's gone to the top of the list um, so educating them and also the visitors um, the visitors um, can now refill their bottles so you've got three new stations around the venue where they can get clean filtered water which is chilled 
and also they can get a discount in the cafe if they bring their own reusable cups as well so um we're just trying to communicate that at the moment and it's something that's difficult because obviously you don't have the connection with all of the visitors before they get here and you don't have connections with all of the exhibitors because as a venue it's something we need to communicate through the organizers so that's something we're we're trying to educate people on as well at the moment and that was something I was going to ask you actually because it feels like you're really leading the way in terms of sustainability so 10 years as carbon neutral there's, there's not many people that were even kind of aware of some of those issues 10 years ago and putting in water stations for visitors they're really big commitments that we're not seeing some of the bigger venues make um but how how do you think exhibitors are responding to to that are you seeing exhibitors trying to be more sustainable do you feel like that message is landing with them yeah definitely i think um we see on on some of our exhibitions who have been um communicating more effectively that um there is less waste left behind uh, that they are maybe not bringing as much of it on site um i walked past a stand yesterday that had their uh, kit delivered and there wasn't any cardboard boxes around the pop-up banner so i'm really hoping that they're kind of just using the um, option to follow up post-event um, or provide information electronically. Um, and th those kind of things are really good to see, definitely. Yeah, it, it's an interesting point when we're working with clients. One of the things we used to talk about in years gone by was make sure you've got your literature and you need your brochures and you need it in a A4 and you need a big folder to put it in and you need a different one for every product. And now we're just saying, don't print anything because you see so much of it in bins. And actually, for somebody who's really interested, it gives you a reason to follow up afterwards and send them an electronic version of it. You just don't need that print anymore. So hopefully that's one way that exhibitors straight away can say we can cut right down on, on our use of, of that amount of paper. You just don't need it. Yeah, definitely. I think um, exhibitors are becoming um, a bit more savvy, but I think there's things that we could do definitely to help them um, in terms of kind of providing solutions i mean we as venues and we as an industry um i think you've got exhibitors maybe that aren't like you deal with used to um going to exhibitions and they don't know what the options are and loads of stand building companies now um like our guys on site on the display they've got a new pvc free media which is 100 percent recyclable so i think it's important that when they're making the selections for what they do on their stands that they um, are presented with options that um, are sustainable or recyclable or at least that they can reuse kind of you see see a lot of exhibitors going to different exhibitions here um, a couple of companies that you see regularly that apply to different shows um, so it's nice to see them recycling the same exhibition stand yeah absolutely and it, it's a point um, I'll just pick up on that in terms of um, stand designs having options because I think if you speak to a lot of exhibitors uh, obviously they would take the most environmentally friendly option that that they can but they don't always know what exists so this is a shout out to any stand designers out there who want to come on a podcast and talk about your environment environmentally friendly option and um, then please do come and talk about it because I think exhibitors want to to know more about well what are the options what should I be asking my stand designer about what are the materials that are, are more sustainable so um, so I'm, obviously you're, you as an organisation, as a venue, are absolutely leading the way in terms of sustainability um, and I recognise for that. You'll obviously get out and look at other exhibitions and other events and other venues. 
how well do you feel as an industry we're doing in tackling sustainability and CS, CSR more generally? Has there been a change in recent years? Are we at least starting to face up to the challenges? Yeah, definitely. And you know what's really nice about the um, exhibitions events industry as a whole is that it's a really passionate industry. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, on the, on the CSR side where you're kind of talking about charities and community work, there's a lot of great work that people are doing, usually kind of um, sticky wickets supporting the Lord Taverners events for um, Namawangu, you know, organizing dinners um at christmas for communities and um you know even auctions at award ceremonies are kind of commonplace now so the events industry is is kind of supporting charities in some really great and creative ways um i think on the side of sustainability they're definitely definitely facing up to the fact that we are a big contributor I think I recently read an article from Conference News, kind of the contribution of um, the carbon footprint of the events industry and how huge it is. But I don't think people are putting their heads in the sand anymore. And I'm not saying that they were, but I think people are facing up to the fact that there is an issue and they're coming out with solutions that are really interesting. Um, definitely for, on your exhibitor side, looking at the the products that they take to shows, you see a lot more eco cups and less plastic bags and, yeah, like I mentioned, less printing. So um, the industry as a whole has definitely probably got some way to go, but I think in terms of the the country or the, the kind of national, international community, we all, we all really do. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting there definitely feels like there's generally this a movement towards trying to find some solutions and we know that we are quite a big contributor as you say to to um the carbon footprint and, and things like that and the bit that always surprises me is if you go to trade shows or exhibitions sometimes and you see a very environmentally friendly product being sold like an eco solution and it's just surrounded by paper on its stand and it's just not living the values of what that product lives up to and I think it's, you know, if those people who are selling eco solutions to things are still using huge amount of paper and plastic in the, in the uh, graphics boards or, or whatever, it just kind of isn't authentic and it isn't true. So, you know, if we can't even get the people who are eco products to actually think about sustainability in the exhibition stand, how can we expect people who are selling, I don't know, computer software or something that's, that's not in that kind of sustainability place? So, is there anything else you can think of that exhibitors could be doing in kind of planning and delivering their exhibitions that would help them become or help the industry become more sustainable? Sure. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that we've seen a bit more of recently is kind of using logistics companies to bring the um, their kit or their stands as a whole to the exhibition, offloading and putting it on their stand when they arrive. And I think that is reducing traffic massively in our local area and reducing idling vehicles um, and also makes it easier for them. So if they weren't aware that that was something they can do, I think um, the employment of a logistics company, for example, to facilitate bringing everything as a whole to an exhibition is, is one of the things that I would recommend. Um, also kind of checking guidance. So there's um, a cross Association Sustainability Working Group that the AEV, the AEO and ESSA um, have 
uh, brought together and the, this group of, kind of suppliers and organizers and venues they're talking about the current topics and how they can work together um so i guess whether it's organized or exhibitors but getting guidance on what they think the best practices would be i know it's not always kind of easy for exhibitors we've got a lot of other um elements to their job maybe they're just organizing an exhibition part of their um working week but trying to get a, a few tips from these people because it's kind of ever-changing and um and obviously the other things we mentioned by kind of reducing the amount of things they bring to an exhibition creating um creative marketing strategies where they can reward customers after the exhibition so these people aren't carrying home bags full of stuff that they don't need and yeah checking with the venue as well because like i mentioned we don't always have a direct connection with all of the exhibitors um, or it's that a stand build company are building a stand for an exhibitor and then it's other people that are turning up to the stand on the day that's something that you know there's a, a missing link in communication that we could really um work better with the organizers to facilitate maybe but saying you know bring a reusable bottle bring a cup for coffee you'll get a discount in the cafe if you want a hot drink um you can fill up your water for free around the venue um those those are the kinds of things that will really help eliminate waste and will allow us to stop using um, single-use cups, even if they're just paper. I think that's, that's a really important message for exhibitors. Yeah, absolutely. And um, checking with the event organisers if there is any way of recycling any materials or anything you're working with. So, for example, we do quite a lot of food shows and it's brilliant at the end of the show when you hear that there's a fair share collection and a lot of the kind of samples or leftover produce that can't be uplifted will go out to food banks or, or you know feeding the homeless in local areas it's, that food just doesn't get wasted anymore in kind of the way it did 10-15 years ago and you were kind of just giving stuff away to anybody who take it but at least now it feels like there are some measures in place certainly that's that's the most obvious one but every industry will have a way of recycling furniture or samples or whatever it is to help the local community so it's always worth checking out with your event organizer kind of what what their particular rules are so talk a little bit about exhibitors and kind of what they can do is there anything that you would like event organizers or suppliers to the industry to be doing to be more sustainable we've, we've covered quite a lot already but anything else that kind of stands out to you and thinks if we as event organizers could just do this it would really make a big step forward in terms of being more sustainable um, yeah, I think industry-wide at the moment, we're, we're trying to obviously tackle the issue as a whole and we're working um, with our suppliers here, so like the catering company, not only to reduce and reuse and recycle, but also to provide sustainable catering solutions. So um, options that are like green labelled, for example, um, like a sustainable menu for food that's been sourced locally, which you can in London, surprisingly. Um, we've got some great local um, fishmongers and butchers and um, we get um, from nearby kind of fruits and vegetables. So it's really exciting to be able to offer these kind of packages. Um, I think I think there is still an element that sometimes the sustainable option is going to be slightly more expensive. So it's about us working with the suppliers to try and make them like for like. Um, and make these options easy for organizers to choose. 
So yeah, we would like organisers to choose these these sustainable food options um, as just as an example. I think also um, helping them to pass on the message. Like I said, it's um, not always easy for us if a visitor hasn't been here before to target those visitors because we don't hold their data. So um, you know, passing on the messages that they they can bring their own reusables in is really important for us. Um, yeah, generally taking a lead on the communication side, um, we're happy to put out um, extra bins and we're happy to rebrand as we do on, on a kind of ad hoc basis as we find the, the bins are being used incorrectly, like I mentioned. Um, and we'll, we'll constantly try and facilitate the ease of um, exhibitors and organisers and visitors being able to throw things away correctly, but I think a lot of it has to come from somewhere in the middle sometimes. So, you know, supporting us on that and letting us know when you need support back as well. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And our um, one plea as um, we run quite a lot of live theatre areas for shows and events and um, a lot of those will provide water for their speakers, so bottles of water, which is great. Speakers need water. Um, but so often they take three or four sips of a bottle and then just leave it on the lectern and that ends up getting away, thrown away as nearly a full bottle of water. So um, if you are running any live theatres at your events, water fountains for speakers are brilliant. I know it costs a little bit more to plumb in a water fountain or, you know, even doing them kind of personalised speaker, really nice water bottles for them could be a little bit a way of adding value. But kind of it just feels like on certainly on some of the theatres that we've run, that that's a real big waste of water that it isn't even getting drunk. It's three or four sips during a, a half hour speaker presentation and then we just end up bidding half full bottles of water. So that, that kind of feels like a big area where everybody could, uh, could, could help out. So. Yeah, and I've been to events recently and then people are coming up with a lot more creative ways to address the water issue. Um, one I went to recently actually gave you a water bottle when you arrived and then there weren't any plastic water bottles to be seen inside, which I think is really progressive um, and actually something that could be easily done. Um, you know, it's a really easy option for a sponsor item. Um, yeah. And from inside the venue here, we've actually installed for conference water, kind of refillable glass bottles for still and sparkling. So we, we do manage that on site. But um, yeah, it, it, we know as a greater listed venue, it's not easy to install these kind of things. So mm. trying to implement them can be hard. But yeah, like you say, putting them on the entrances to um, sessions would be a really good idea. Yeah, and, and I like your idea there about um, sponsoring water bottles. I think um, exhibitions have historically kind of sold space to sponsor lanyards or to sponsor bits in show guides and things like that but whoever uses or wears their lanyard again once you least leave a show but actually if you had a branded up water bottle on your desk for the next 12 months it might just remind you about the company sponsoring it and thinking oh, I'm going to get in touch with them so if anybody is doing sponsored water bottles or is interested in that get in touch because we would love to hear about your stories and, and what you're doing so um, so fantastic to talk to you, Kate. We've covered a, a load of um, content there around kind of CSR and sustainability. And is there anybody else in the industry who you think is either doing a great job in this area or has just been an inspiration to you that you think would make an interesting guest on a future episode of our podcast? Um, I actually think um, I mentioned before this um, kind of cross-association group. I think it's so good that 
Um, the AEV brings venues together, the AEO brings organisers together and, you know, as the suppliers, I think having somebody from one of those organisations would be really good to kind of get an overall feel of what people are saying from that group of people. Um, I think that the fact that they all get together in their own groups is great, but as a cross association, um, and I think they've just managed to cover so much more. Um, so yeah, definitely someone from one of their teams. Brilliant. And that sounds like a panel podcast to me. See if we can get one. It of does. These yeah. To <laughs> that'd be a, a healthy debate that will need some chairing. But um, yeah, I think that'd be, be fantastic. So thank you for that. So um, thank you so much for your time today. I know you are so busy having just um, got back from America. So thank you. We really appreciate it. And Kate, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way of um, finding you? Is that via social media or email? Or... Yep. Um, I can be contacted on Kate at kates at bdc.london um, or you can find us on our website bdc.london brilliant and if anybody needs those details get in touch with us and we can pass them on so thank you so much for your time today you've been a brilliant guest i have learned loads about bdc that i didn't know before and um, good luck with all your future events thank you very much indeed congratulations again to the business design center for their win in the exhibition news awards in the sustainability category We've often talked to guests in the past about their thoughts on sustainability and we know as an industry we need to work harder and it's great to see one of the big venues in the country really taking a lead on that. But if you've got any ideas or suggestions or things that your company is doing to help the industry become more sustainable and reduce the impact that we have on the environment and create a more positive engagement with local communities, we would love to hear all about what you're doing. So please do get in touch. As usual, you can get in touch with us in all the regular ways. So head over to www.inspiringexhibitors.com where you can sign up for the newsletter, have a look at our latest blogs and also, of course, order a copy of The Exhibitionist, which we will sign and pop in the post to you. And if you do read it and enjoy it, please do hop over to Amazon and leave us a review. We've had a few people sending us feedback by email, which is amazing. But if you could pop us something on Amazon, that would be brilliant. It all helps. So we are fast approaching our 20th episode of the Exhibitionist podcast. I can't believe we've had so many out there already. So thank you for con- continuing to tune in and listen to us. And so for episode 20 in celebration, we're going to do something a little bit different. Over the last few weeks, we've been asking people who they want to hear from on the show. What are the views that are missing? Who else has something to say? And actually, a lot of people have said to us, we want to hear more from you. We want to hear what's been good so far in the first six months of this year. What have you learned going around all the exhibitions that you go to? And what are the hints and tips that you can share with us? What's in the book? Give us some of the juicy bits. So for episode 20, we're going to just feature us. That's the Pro Extra team talking about everything we've been to this year, everything we've seen, and what hopefully we can inspire you with for the remainder of 2019 to ensure you generate the best returns from your events. So look out for that podcast coming in a couple of weeks. Once again, thank you for listening and happy exhibitioning. Hop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs and future podcasts, keeping you up to date with industry insight. While there, you can also find out more about our new book, The Exhibitionist, Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening.